Hey there, music friends. Welcome once again to the Musician Next Door podcast. I am Stephen Stamp, joined. I am Carrie Jane McMaster. And we are very pleased to have for our second show, Hilary Dumoulin. Quick note about our first podcast. You can find it is now approved on iTunes and should be on Google Play as well soon. But you can go to the Musician Next Door. Uh, just look us up and you'll find it. Please share it with all your friends and you can find it on iTunes. The first episode was with Mike and Wit of Paper Shakers, who we just learned since the podcast and since their show will be opening for a very cool band at Peter Music Fest. You forgot the name. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never heard of the very cool band. Said the Whale. Said the Whale. That's yeah, what I I think you're from the West Coast. I'm there pretty sure, yeah. yeah. That's what you said when you said when you were very excited about when we saw it. It was just today that we saw it. So uh, very cool that uh, clearly the musician next door is a springboard to fame and fortune. Hi. So Hilary welcome to your springboard to fame and fortune. Right? Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Now, I, um, I have the great fortune of knowing Hillary over the last handful of years, and we've done a few things together. We've gone on tour and everything. And I was uh, ha- you know, looking through all your work, getting ready for this podcast, and looking at a lot of your old covers and um, things you did when you were a teenager. And I, I mean, there's, there's no question you're a talent and a force. Like, just right from the get-go, you stand out. And I and it's so it was so much fun looking at all of that. But Mary's blushing just a <laughs> since you can't see her. <laughs> I I was wanting to know, um, you know, what goes what goes on when you're choosing a cover. Why were you choosing some of those um, covers? I, I can't remember the name of it. Was this the pill? I took a pill and Oh, uh, Took a Pill in Ibiza. Yeah, Took um, a Pill in Ibiza. Yeah, that's a, a Mike Posner song, so it's actually kind of like a, a rap tune, if you will. Kind of. Um, it's just really um, not like a, a folk singer-songwriter kind of song, so a lot of the times when I'm choosing covers, I want something like that that I can put a twist on so that it's not the way that people are used to hearing it. So really, I just kind of choose... Um, songs that I like to listen to and then I put my own twist on them so that you know hopefully people will be like hey that's a cool that's a cool way of portraying that song so for that one in particular that's what it was it's just kind of the um, the factor of you know that's probably the first time someone's gonna hear that song that way mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of what drives me to not so much choose the songs but decide how I'm gonna perform them once I decide that it's one that I that I like yeah. I want to jump in then, because well, that really leads into something I wanted to ask you about, which is the genre question. Which mm-hmm. we always like. It's always terrifying for the artist to try and, or not terrifying, it's always challenging to try and say, this is my genre. And it's always, I think, quite fascinating to see how people portray themselves. And for you, you've talked about how when you started out, you're a country girl. You were playing country music, and that was kind of your thing. And then you've moved on to the folk area. but. Um, I noticed we listened to one of your old songs. You had a, a little rapper step in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All kinds of different stuff. I'm curious about the way it works because it seems like when you start playing music, when anyone starts playing music, they don't think, I'm a country singer, I'm a rock singer, I'm an opera singer. They just sing and they make song, they make music that they love. And then people say, oh, that's this genre. And then you kind of define yourself that way. But then once you are in a genre, then that defines the way that you do do music. 
um, and you've chosen to kind of move out of that, but how much, it, it seems so cyclical, like you, you make music, it becomes a genre, and because of that genre you make music, does that play any influence with you, or do you just play whatever you feel like? Yeah, honestly not really, and it sounds so cliche to say it, but I try really hard not to put myself in, into a box. Um, that's why I say, you know, when I think about what genre of music, I call it folk singer-songwriter because to me the genre of singer-songwriter can really kind of like mean anything. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for me, you know, I might write a song that is, you know, a true country song right down to the core and then I might turn around and write a pop song and I just kind of try to, to write and perform the music that I feel like a really natural pull towards. Um, so in that sense, I can't really say, you know, that um, I definitely knew once I once I got put in the box of being a, a country singer that that's not what I wanted to be. Mm. Um, and, and it took quite a few years to kind of get that out of people's heads, if you will, that, that that's not what I was doing anymore. But that's not to say that I don't hear a country song and love it and take inspiration from it. I just try to take inspiration from, from everything um, and, and not kind of limit myself in that way because back to the point about the song with, with a rapper, when I think about that song, um, and I think that's How Do You Sleep that you're referring to. Yes. Um, that, was a, that was a cool song, you know, but then being open-minded to thinking, you know what, a, a rap verse would sound cool here, took it to uh, another level. And I just feel like if I was putting myself in a certain genre and, you know, making music for the genre, that, that song wouldn't have evolved like that. So I just try to kind of keep an, an open mind with it, if that answers your question. I guess that's I a long answer. but <laughs> No, that's cool. Long answers are good. Uh, it's better than yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, I just, listening to that, I didn't, I guess I didn't read carefully enough and notice that it said featuring um, Young Phoenix. Phoenix. Young yeah. Phoenix. So you're singing away, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a nice song. Da, da, da. And all of a sudden, some guy starts rapping, and I'm like, I'm looking at SoundCloud, like, did somebody switch the song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just jumps in. But it, it is very interesting that, that people sometimes you're trying to break out of a genre or something and I, I think it's interesting that you were considered country either by yourself or by other people or both early on because mm -hmm. listening to your old your old songs that are available for us to, to just go and find I didn't think I, we just both thought that she's not a country singer no yeah I tried to country. like I tried really hard to get rid of all of the stuff on the internet that would give anyone okay. that kind of inkling oh okay. um, so I think you succeeded <laughs> yeah. yeah good I'm glad I'm happy to hear that um but yeah most of the stuff that's on there is actually quite old like if I, I uh, kick myself sometimes for when I go and look at SoundCloud or YouTube or something I haven't done anything on there in so long because I've just been so you know focused on getting in front of new audiences and stuff that mm -hmm. the technology side of it's kind of sliding a bit but yeah I, I made sure that most of that stuff was gone so this is The Musician Next Door with Hilary Dumoulin I'm Stephen Stamp Carrie Jane's gonna be jumping in in a moment I uh, just wanted to say um, that we haven't had a, you're only our second artist, we have not yet lined up any country singers, country musicians, and I would actually like to have a country artist on because I'm not a country guy. I have never cared for it, and, and I don't really get it, and I would like to have somebody convince me why I should like country, because I know a lot of people like it. I and, love and it. I'm wide open like so. to, to yeah. music. It just, it just, it just hasn't been my thing. So I'd like to have someone come in and convince yeah. us. When you think of like new country, I find that new country is pop. Yeah. That's, that's what, what it is. is. 
it's pop, but it's mostly like about a dog in a truck. <laughs> but old country music at the core of what country music is, is what I grew up on. And I, I love it. I yeah. think that it's just, um, yeah, it's, there's lots of inspiration to be drawn from, and from country music, I fear, looking in the right and the places. And the new stuff's usually an unhappy in interface between the dog and the truck. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the interaction doesn't go well. <laughs> I was going to say, older country, there was a, a bit more art in the writing. Yeah. Um, for sure, when you listen yeah, to Yeah, and of the, I think that that's where a lot of the influence for my songwriting now comes from because, um, oh, did we just lose the power? We did lose power, but we are running <laughs> on our going? ghost power okay. here. Yeah, we got, <laughs> um, my, uh, we're on battery right now. <laughs> um, so a lot of country songs I find are, are stories. It's a story from start to finish. Yeah. Um, country songwriters are real storytellers, or at least they were. Um, and, and that's what I always kind of admire and continue to admire about country music is the songwriting. Let there be life. You know, it's interesting because one of my favorite songs ever is Copperhead Road by mm -hmm. Steve Earle, yeah. which I, some people might say is country. I don't know. I just think of it as a rock song. But yeah. that's a story for sure. Absolutely. And that's, I love, I love songs that tell stories. I, I personally, I was actually going to bring that up about your writing and it says here in your, in your, um, in your bio that uh, one of the judges from a competition you're in, Dave Leesk, is that how you say yeah. his name? He said she had a strong sense of songcraft, an original turn of phrase, and a great marriage of beautiful melodies and lyrics. It was also said that you have a clear passion for honesty set to music by Paul uh, Rylinger? Rylinger. Rylinger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. From Peter Rowe this week. And I, I totally agree. I, I get so captivated in your lyrics. And I love, um, <clears throat> there's an almost haunting in your lyrics, a twistedness in some of them. There's mm -hmm. a darkness, right? But I wonder how you go about the writing process and what inspires you. Um, the writing process for me is something that this is always a difficult question because it's always changing and evolving you know like I was on another podcast last year and I'm sure I probably said you know I write the lyrics and then I write the music and so that's something that's kind of changed for me now um, and it, it's continually evolving but for me it's just kind of um, I would say still you know 90% of the time I've got some kind of a hook in my head or an idea um, and then I try to you know, build a melody around that. And maybe that means the guitar comes first or maybe the lyrics do. It's honestly very inconsistent, like most things I do. Um, <laughs> That's good though, yeah, right? You want to be open to, to the inspiration yeah. coming from either way. You don't want it to always be the same. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, there's times when, um, this actually happened to me a couple of years ago. I was literally walking through the grocery store and got this idea for lyrics. And I was standing in the aisle in the grocery store singing into my phone, like a crazy person into my voice memos. That's awesome. And then sometimes I'll think of, you know, some cool little thing on guitar and bang my head against a wall for weeks because I can't put any lyrics to it. So it's always kind of, Thank it's always really, kind of different. Yeah. Um, but as for the, the kind of inspiration where it comes from side of things, it, it's mostly always life experiences, mm -hmm. but then sometimes, you know, like my song Tough Act to Follow um, is actually inspired by an episode of Grey's Anatomy. So, um, <laughs> well, but most cool. of them are, you know, real life experiences, which is why I haven't, uh, you know, 
written a lot of new music lately because I haven't been so sad when we come back to the dark and twisty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, you know, you think Alanis Morissette or Taylor Swift. I mean, you did recover you from that, Yeah, you don't want to break up with the songwriter, right? Because yeah. they're going to write about it. I'm going to write all kinds yeah. of songs about you. <laughs> well, while we think about uh, the songs that you've written, we are going to play a track from your album, Fool's Gold. And the track is Guts and Glory, and we picked it. I picked it, actually, because it's just, <laughs> I think it's my favorite song on the album. I just, and Carrie and Hillary went on tour. You mentioned that, that you guys were on tour. And uh, I just love getting to hear it, like, night after night. I think it's fun every time. So Thank we're going to take a stop and take a quick listen to, well, take a full-length listen to <laughs> Guts and Glory from Fool's Gold by Hillary Dumoulin here on The Musician Next Door. Take a look. Do you like what you see? Well, I'm only what you made me Think again before you speak Yeah, I'm a wreck because that's just the way you left me And you can play the victim cause you play that part so well I'll go on, get on with my life And you can go to hell It set me free Watching you leave I've got the guts, you know
This is the musician next door, Hilary Dumoulin. Come and catch me at next door at 197 Hunter Street West on June 28th. All right, we're back on Musician Next Door. I'm Stephen Stamp with Carrie Jane McMaster. Hello. And our guest this week, Hilary Dumoulin, the Otrice of Fool's Gold. And that was a track <laughs> from the album that came out a year ago now. You were yeah. be being mind blown about that while you guys were on tour. It's been a year since, uh, since your little creation entered the world. And we were all the richer for it. And that was Guts and Glory. Guts or Glory. Guts and Glory. Guts and Glory, yeah. yeah. Because as everyone knows, you've got the guts and they take all the glory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just enjoy that song yeah. so much. Um, so I wanted to ask one other question, and Carrie, I know, has a, like a series of questions to ask. So the one thing, I, you've been in a number of, of contests, competitions and things. You're the emerging artist at Folk Fest, yeah. you're a Snowfest Idol. Um, There's a Durham thing that I can never remember oh, the name of that, that Carrie, <laughs> Carrie has. Um, but you've entered a bunch of things and you've done mm -hmm. very well in them. Um, a lot of artists don't like competition. They feel like it it's antithetical to the artistic process, which I think is a bit of a cop-out <laughs> to yeah. an extent, but you seem to have been very comfortable to enter things and let things be judged. And in return, it seems like it's really pushed you forward and helped you develop as an artist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, you know, I, I've won a, a handful of, of competitions and contests, but I've lost a lot more than I've won. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, there is the whole, uh, a lot of people will say, well, the politics of it and, you know, the person who wins always knows someone. And that's what this business is. So I think that being exposed to that, you know, not disappointment because you always get the experience out of it. But I mean, I was doing contests and things when I was really young, like 13 and 14 years old. Um, and you know, going out there and giving it your all and then just having to leave feeling like that wasn't good enough, you, you get back up stronger. And, and I'm really happy that I, I prepared myself for those disappointments because if I had sat in my bedroom and you know, worked on my craft until I was where I am now and brought it out to the world and just expected it to be you know, uh, accepted with open arms, it would have really been a shock. Um, so, you well, know. Well, because you're developing an audience as you evolve and figure out what you're going to yeah, do, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and with the, you know, with the contests, again, I think, I think there's a couple of ways of looking at it, because there is, you know, I remember um, doing, I can't even remember what it was called now, it was put on by a Walk in the Park Productions, I know that much, but I did that contest like three years in a row, and I never did any better than sixth place. But every year I kept going back because I thought, you know, this year I'm, I'm going to do better. And I think without that, for myself, without that, uh, you know, goal to strive towards, I might not be where, where I am. So, mm -hmm. Some people are different, you know. It's like you'd rather um, spend your time, you know, playing a show and not being judged. But a lot of the feedback that I got doing those things, I still carry with me today. Um, you know, I remember all the time when it comes to you know, making a set list. Um, I got told early on in that competition, your set lists are not exciting. You need to start with something that people know and, and you can mellow it out a little bit, but then you need to pick it back up, right? So that's something that I learned that I carry with me that maybe I would just go be playing boring sets all the time and, and you know, um, if I didn't, if I hadn't done that, you know, or mm -hmm. even, you know, making some of the connections with the, the Durham College was the, um, Songs, Songs revealed. revealed. Yes. Carrie showed yeah. me. I didn't remember <laughs> it. Yeah. And that was a, an amazing experience because 
that was a real turning point for me. Um, my friend Lauren, actually, Lauren McFarland, uh, was going to Dur Durham College at the time, and she reached out to me and said, you should be in this songwriting competition. And I had released an EP already, but I did not consider myself a songwriter. Mm -hmm. um, and winning that competition was huge for me because I left and I was like, oh my goodness, not only do I write songs, I'm a songwriter, and these industry professionals say so. Yeah. And and that gave me a lot of the fuel to, to write the Fool's Gold album, you know? So um, it's, That's yeah, so it's... Uh, Can I follow up with one? Yeah, of course. Just something yeah. came up, and you're, you're talking about that Fool's Gold and the EP, and, and <laughs> Carrie and I, I mean, we've been listening to songs from both, and mm -hmm. I mean, we love the Fool's Gold album. That's what mm -hmm. kind of made us big Hillary fans. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, made Carrie want to tour with you so much. And I know you guys had a lot of fun. And then we were listening to some songs from the EP, and it really reminded Carrie... Um, and then she pointed out, and, and it, it clicked with me that it reminded us of, us of the process that she went through with her first album. She felt like it was very produced. Like she had someone telling her, well, you do this and you do that, and here's what we're going to do for this. And she was like, okay, well, they know what they're doing. In this album, she was working with James McKenty, who, if he tells us to do something, we do it. I mean, oh, he says, so he's incredible, right? Yeah. Yeah. But he was very much like, well, what do you want to do? What if we try this? And yeah. but Carrie was so much more confident, and you can hear it. I think it's. It's not as produced, it's more live from the floor, but just working, she just developed that confidence and you can hear that in Fool's Gold. Yeah, that you just felt like you, sure. can just, you can just bring your stuff and you don't have to have too many bells and whistles or tricks. Yeah. Obviously produce it well, but just do the stuff. Yeah, and the thing that I find too, like just to kind of, you know, gush about James for a minute. Um, <laughs> I have a really hard time when it comes to something I hear in my head that I can't physically do with an instrument. Um, making that come out and make sense and he has so much patience I would tell him you know I hear something like this and I try to describe it and I can't I'm not I'm just not very good at that um, and he's so patient and so creative too that like not only did he input so many ideas like we implemented so many of his good little ideas he ended up getting a co-producing credit on the album um but also it gave me the confidence when i would say you know this is what i want to hear and and he'd be like okay let's you know let me show you a couple different ways you can hear that and we'll see what you like instead of saying i don't think so you know, I really felt like I had the reins over the project and, and it did give me a lot of confidence coming out on the other side of it because now having said, okay, I think I want to hear this here and maybe it sounded terrible or maybe it sounded great. Now, next time, I just feel more confident in, in that, in my own vision. Like he mm -hmm. gave me confidence in what my vision was, which is huge. That's um, not to say that my first EP wasn't great because it was, it was a great experience. I was very young and I, I didn't really have much control over the creative process. So I felt really detached from it. Yeah. Um, whereas with Fool's Gold, like that's my baby. Yeah. I love that album and it, it feels like a person that I know. And so that's why I'm having such a hard time moving past it because I just you know I feel so attached to it it's like what if the next one isn't isn't oh, good like this it's but totally gonna be good yeah no I that I can totally relate that's exactly it it's like I love my first album and I love my second but working with James he does allow you to to be yourself and yeah I uh, hope that everyone who is thinking about working with James just 
goes and yeah, does just it. Do it. Just do it. Just oh, do okay. it. Yeah, just, <laughs> I, I'll just gush about James for a moment. Too, <laughs> I would go in and, and Carrie would be recording. I just I'd give some input now and then, but I mean I don't have really much to do with it. I'm just helping out. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Carrie and I are engaged, and Hello. we've been a partner. We've been a, a couple for quite a while, so you know we're around doing everything together. And uh, James would. I mean, Carrie would go in with a song and, and they do we'd do a demo and he'd listen to it and say, we'd get there and he'd say, okay, well, I was thinking about something. I could, you know, I could add this guitar layer. What about this? And he'd do something we're just like, wow. Yeah. We'd and he thinks these things are just normal. That right? like everybody is just like, oh, let me show you this brilliant thing that we could add. And then it's like, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so he, I don't know, I don't, he probably has yeah. something on pretty much every oh. song on the, on yeah, the oh, album. Oh, he does. He, he, right. he, de he definitely dug deep on my album. He added and brought out. He basically took my idea and 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 just made it even more. Yeah, you know? like I don't know. You guys have heard the album, so without you, um, that was a collaboration between Brandon Humphrey and James right. McKenty. The ending of that song oh, wow. gets so huge, and James was without like, "I want to put fuzz on it," and I was like, "You are crazy!" <laughs> and then he did it, and I'm like, "Wow, you just took this song to like another level of awesome." And it's my favorite <laughs> song on the album. In the beginning, it almost wasn't going to be on the album, and oh, he turned God. it in. Well, the two of them turned it into my favorite song on the album, so it was pretty amazing. Yeah. He, uh, it was crazy, I mean, uh, Carrie did a Jillian Welsh cover, mm -hmm. uh, Wayside Back in Time, which well, you I sing just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're familiar with that, yeah. <laughs> being one of the, uh, you're the background, or the uh, harmony singer, and uh, she had envisioned, we were talking, she said, oh, I see a fiddle on some of these songs. I said, well, let's talk to Melissa Payne. She's she's a friend and she's a fiddler and she's a great one. So we talked to Melissa and she's like, yeah, I could do that. So we sent you sent her some some songs, some demos. I sent it. Right? I sent it to James. Sent it to James. Yeah. And said we'd love to see. And Melissa said, yeah, I'll see what I can do. And then one day James called and was like, oh, so Melissa popped by and she'd listen. She said she had something. So we just recorded it. We thought we'd see what you think. <laughs> and it's, I was like I mean, almost in tears. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. April snow as well, but I mean. Yeah, you listen to Wayside, so cool. and we're just like, wow. It was, I mean, it was a great song, and when you guys sing it live, even without the yeah. fiddle, it's wonderful. But oh my God, yeah. <laughs> that fiddle, yeah. it's just, yeah, oh, you're transported. And, and that's, I mean, that's Melissa too. She was brilliant. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but James is just, oh. he's a master. He is. He it, is. Yeah, he takes we've got time. So many great. I people in this town it, totally. it blows my mind sometimes that is why the musician next door exists i am stephen stamp with carrie jane mcmaster and our guest this week is hillary dumelin and carrie i've been hogging the mic well you go well uh you were gonna play us a song we're ready we're ready for hillary to play so all right uh, we will go on and you have you decided you're gonna you're keeping this us in suspense yeah <laughs> i was keeping myself in suspense but i think i'm gonna do uh okay now okay okay now yeah. From Hilary Dumoulin. <laughs> you got me twisted up and bent in ways that I don't want to feel. Heart can see the sky and it's coming up for air. Don't let me.
Having the live song, we always have a, a recording and a live song to give people a, a feel for both. And I love hearing you live because I think it really shows off just what your voice can do. Yeah. And I've I always marvel about the way you can do harmonies mm -hmm. because you do. I know for Carrie's album, you and Carrie and Missy Knott would be doing harmonies, mm -hmm. and, and they'd say, "Oh, wait, we need to do this." What are? They? And you say, "Here are the harmonies," and there'd be like three different <laughs> harmonies. And you just and I know you've worked very hard to make it seem really easy. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. But uh, but this is a chance just you singing just to hear just how hauntingly beautiful your voice is yeah. on its own. Thank you. Gorgeous voice. Yeah, I know we went we went on tour. Um, we did nine shows in two weeks, Hillary and I, and um, and I know you were the emerging artist at Peterborough Folk Fest. And I know that personally you have dreams and desires musically. Um, you've got some a, a band. You yeah. you are you know what's going on? What do you what's what's the future for Hillary? Uh, I'm easy. I just want to make enough money making music that I don't have to work anymore. That'd be the idea. So I cool. love my job, but it would be amazing to be able to, you know, like spend my eight and a half in a day um, focusing on my craft. That's yeah. the ideal. Um, yeah. And in case anyone's thinking, oh, she doesn't want to work, we know how hard you are <laughs> to work on yeah. your music. It's not that you don't want to work, it's no. that you want to pour all that effort. Yeah. You're very driven. You want to put yeah. that in. Imagine music. what you could do if you're doing this at half of yeah, or exactly. a quarter of your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's just 
um, I think going forward, I want to tour again because I got a taste of it and I just wish I could yeah. tour forever. Me too. Always. <laughs> Speaking of which, between the time we record this and the time it drops, yes. you two and Missy Not will pl be playing at L'Escalier in yeah, Montreal. Yeah. We're making a, a group trip up there. Yeah. And then a couple of days later at Musiki in Kingston. And then you've got some other stuff going on that's kind of a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, June the 8th, I'm opening for uh, Jeremy Fisher, um, and that's something that was set up through uh, Peterborough Folk Fest. Evangeline Gentle is going to be part of that show, too. Um, so really looking forward to that. Uh, we've also got the Women's Quarterly Show coming up at the Twisted Wheel here in town, um, and lots of other exciting things going on this summer. I'm really excited to have kind of spread my wings in the sense that uh, I'm playing outside of Peterborough more now. Not that I never was before, but... Um, I said to Carrie when we were booking the tour, it really kind of uh, showed me how easy it is to pick up the phone and be like, hey, who does your booking? Um, and I've become really annoying for those people that are doing the booking because I'm like, if you don't answer me, I'll call you again next week. Okay, when can I follow up? Because that's the banker in me, right? Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I've been uh, working really hard to kind of um, lock down some, some dates outside of Peterborough um, and keeping myself busy so and you guys nice. learned that booking in montreal takes a little longer oh, it yeah. sure oh, does sure which yeah. is why there's a gig coming up in a couple of days instead of a month ago when the yeah, tour exactly. was happening yeah and we yeah. did like what we had four months before our tour we yeah were we started booking way before we still in. couldn't get in there so yeah. Um, but yeah so i think i don't know in terms of you know what's what's next and what's in the future i'm just really kind of focused on booking shows but also trying hard to set aside time to write right yes. now um yeah. so that's kind of my my main focus and just kind of seeing where that takes me because i found my path has been very natural so i want to keep going that way is it changing much with i mean you've got a band now yeah the, the hillary dumoulin band i don't yeah. know what the actual name is yeah. is that the name for a while we were <laughs> hillary dumoulin and the clever adjectives but uh, <laughs> i enjoyed that that's yeah good. yeah um, i don't know we uh, we don't really have a a name but yeah it definitely has changed things for me because there's this whole other piece to to writing a song now I'm, I'm hearing you know instead of just hearing my part I'm hearing all of these different things going on in my head which makes it sometimes like a little bit more challenging but also it's like a whole new adventure to be writing songs with the intention of playing them with a the band so I'm really excited for for that um, more challenges equals more opportunities exactly. to do cool stuff, right? yeah yeah oh that's amazing um, <laughs> well, I'm so, so, so happy that you're here on our podcast, and I look forward to seeing what you produce in the next little while. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. The music, Musician Next Door, I'm Stephen Stamp with Carrie Jane McMaster. Our guest has been Hilary Dumoulin. You can look us up, and we are on the Peterborough Independent Podcasters site, just the Musician Next Door, and we're on iTunes, and we should very soon be on Google Play. We're just going through the whole process. So um, we're getting going. Second episode, and we're thrilled to have had Hilary. Thank you so much. Thank you.